part five of the culture connection. And Coach Weaver, today we want to talk about body language and eye contact and what are you screaming to other people? Yeah, I, I think so much about body language that I used to tell people, I hear what you do louder than what you say. Yeah, Ralph, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson had a quote that said, your actions are so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. And <laughs> it's that big mantra right there. You know, communication, nonverbal communication is so important, and we see it in athletics more than we do in other areas of life. Yeah, and we think about kids today, and uh, you see body language all the time. You know, football with us in the fall when a kid drops a pass, when you see um, – maybe a quarterback throwing an interception, a guy missed a tackle, a guy missed a sack, that their body language, you can you can hear what they're saying just by their actions, even if you're in the top row of the stadium, by their initial reaction to whether it being good or whether it being bad. Um, so we're, I'm, I'm excited to get in this topic with you. Um, I think it's something our listeners need to hear and they need to educate their, their teams on. Totally agree. And when you talk about, like, watching body language, it's almost hard to watch NFL games anymore because once they do their job, there's so much celebrating between plays and so much trash talk and other things. It's really unenjoyable to the viewer. Right. And, you know, and I like celebrating just like the next guy. But when you make a sack, just tackle the quarterback and go back to the huddle. They it's, now it's being paraded around like like they've solved world peace or something like that. To where now they're it's a me mentality where they're beating their chest and it's a look at me mentality, which is so countercultural to what you want your team to be. At least at the high school level, and that's one area that at least at the high school and the college level, there's rules to stop that from getting out of control, but. Body language is noticeable, and it screams to other people, you know, what's going on in your head, what you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, You know, so that poses a big question to us as coaches, as teachers, as educators, um, especially of young men, is how do we communicate? So I think it starts at the top, and I think we can look at this through a different lens, is how do we communicate to our players because a lot of times how they communicate to us is how we communicate to them. Yeah, I think that's the compelling question for this episode is how do you communicate? Turn, turn the we into you and make it how do you communicate. Right. And I just want you to pause right now and grab, go back to your notepad or your piece of paper, wherever you've been keeping shorthanded notes as you listen. And I want you to write down, think about your team or the people that you're around every day Who has the best body language and eye contact? So recruiting kids that are like really upbeat and loving life and love the game and have this tremendous appreciation for when their teammates do something well, that's hard. That's hard. It's really hard. So on our team, we, me, my coaching staff, we put a huge premium on body language. And if your body language is bad, you will never get in the game. Ever. I don't, I don't care how good you are. If somebody says, well, you know, you just benched Stewie for, you know, 35 minutes in the Memphis game a couple of years ago. Yeah, I did. Oh, well, that was to motivate her for the South Carolina game the following Monday. No, it wasn't. Stewie was acting like a 12-year-old. 
So I put her on the bench and said, sit there. It doesn't matter on our team. And the other coaches might say, well, you can do that because you got three other, you know, All-Americans. I get that. I understand that. But I'd rather lose than watch kids play the way some kids play. All right, well, JT, you know, you talk about this, and, and you know, it's the start of a new semester in school. So uh, as semester, I teach semester classes, so I get a new crop of kids in health and government. Uh, but I always tell them it's important about your first impression and how you win your first impression. And I tell football guys at the beginning of the, um, the last workout of the summer, right before we start school, I said, guys, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. And that's so true. So you have one chance to meet that teacher for the first time Meet that coach for the first time. If you're wanting to get a, a job, you have one chance to meet that employer um, for the first time, and you have to win that first impression. So there's a lot of factors that go into your first impression. You know, there's, there's your haircut. Well, for me, not really a haircut. You know, I hadn't had hair. I don't cut my own hair anyway. I mean, I cut my own hair. I mean, I have no hair. Um, you know, eye contact is huge. I always look at a good, firm handshake. You know, we. We tell kids a lot, you know, you want to look somebody in the eye, you want to have a good, firm handshake. And those two things that you want to look at, uh, obviously you want to smile, you want to be confident, uh, you want to dress the part and, you know, have positive body language so you're not slouching over and you're standing tall, chest high. Uh, and I think those help you win that first impression moment. Yeah, you know, and I think it goes beyond a first impression because I really think these are the qualities of how you become a coffee bean. You know, coffee beans should light up a room when they walk in a little bit with great eye contact, with that confidence, with the smile. My dad always taught me to never shake a man's hand sitting down. Mm. So even if you have to stand up and reach over a table and it's kind of that awkward crouch or whatever, those are really important details to the first impression. Uh, I'm reading a book on Chuck Knoll right now in the 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's a funny story in there about the long first impression about how he met his wife. They were just going out for their first date at the time. But Chuck Knoll was playing for Paul Brown and the Cleveland Browns, and he shows up to take out this girl, and he pulls his toothpaste piece and his bridge out of his mouth. And when she answers the door, she looks really nice, and he's in his nice clothes, and they're getting ready to go have a fun night together, and he has the biggest smile on his face with no teeth. <laughs> it's just one of those moments where you're memorable, you're likable, and of course he put the bridge back in and the rest is history as they say, but you know, there's so much power in a first impression and like you said, you only get to do it one time. Yeah, there's only one chance you get to do that for a first impression, exactly. You know, your body language, it provides a window to your confidence in your character. So how you walk around the school, how you um, walk around the locker room, how you're perceived, you know, perceived by your teammates. There's a lot of factors that go into your body language, you know, and it's not just, oh, I, I, I'm here, I'm, I hope we win today, oh, I'm, I'm trying to go get through practice. You know, and I, I go back to that NFL wildcard game, and we talked about this earlier in the culture connection, is Stefan Diggs. Piss poor body language. Well, that's the thing. The, the people who are the most mentally weak or most mentally vulnerable – are the ones when their body language is the worst when things aren't going well. It screams. They're the first ones ones to pout. They're the first ones to blame. They're the first ones looking for a flag after a play. Whereas, you know, the most mentally strong athletes know that it's a next play mentality. That's right. You know, to quote Brian Kite, doesn't matter, get better. That's right. So, there's so many times, 
And I got guys running through my head right now that are positive body language that have played for us. And there are guys that are just, their body language screams negativity and defeatedness. You know, and I'm a wrestling coach. Uh, wrestling is such an important part of my life. But your body can dictate your mind. Mm. And in an interview with Joe Buck, George St. Pierre talked about how he almost wills his body and his confidence by being bold. Could you explain to me what the feeling is like when it opens and you step into that octagon? Well, it's, it's, uh, it, it starts way before that. Let's say in the, in the locker room. I, everybody has different ways of seeing fight. I'm more, I would call it more like a, the coward way. You know, like people make fun of me because I'm very nervous and very insecure before a fight. Which make me so so successful because the fear of losing, of being, of getting humiliated, that's what makes me stronger and sharper. So when I'm in the locker room warming up, sometimes I'm like with my entourage and in the back, my trainer, I'm like, damn, I was like, why I'm not the, why I didn't stay at school and finish my degree and work nine to five? What the hell is wrong? Oh yeah, I hate, I hate my job. I hate it. When I'm in the back, I, I'm, I'm cussing and stuff, and it's terrible. And it, people laugh. Because they, they laugh at me, basically, because they know it's the same thing all the time. But it's part of your routine. Yeah. yeah. So there's a guy that did, that, that come to pick me up. He's like, say, Pierre, you're up next. You're ready. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And as I'm walking to the octagon and they, they put on the music, something happened. And I learned that in philosophy. Philosophy is called James Lange Theory. They, what he says is, the, your mind can dictate your body. Let's say I'm, I'm thirsty. My mind will tell my, my, my will tell my body to grab the water and drink. The opposite works too. What is James Lange says? James Lange theory says your body can dictate your mind. So, for example, I'm terrified of losing, of being humiliated and stuff. But I'm faking physically. I'm, I'm pretending. As I'm walking to the octagon, that it's impossible for me to fail. That I'm the best in the world, and I'm not afraid. I'm gonna kick his ass no matter what. And I'm walking like it's impossible. And what happened is, my physique is telling my mind how to think. So I, I'm doing the opposite. I'm faking it. And as I'm faking it, as I'm getting close to the octagon, I'm starting to believe it. And the closer I get, I'm starting to believe it, believe it more, believe it more, until I'm in the octagon face-to-face -face with my, my opponent and the, the referees. Are you ready? Ready? Let's go. That's how I, I, I transform myself. What if we all had that same mindset as we walked into our classroom every day or as we walked into the next staff meeting or as we walked in to address our team for the first time coming off of a weekend ready to start another week's preparation? What if we all had that same mentality of, we can't lose. I can't be wrong. JT, I, imagine if our athletes did that. Imagine if we did that as educators and as coaches, that every game or every time that we go into our arena, whether it be a football field, into a wrestling match, for me in a track meet and in a football game, that we transformed our mind so we're not going to be defeated. What if your whole team had that mindset? You'd be unstoppable. 
You know, that's really what it comes down to. And it's something that I'm working on with our wrestling team here uh, in Denison. We don't have much of a tradition. We've been wrestling for almost 50 years. And wrestling in Iowa is huge. But we've got eight state placers in school history, one of them in the time that I've been here. But that's nothing. Some people in the state will have eight placers this year on their team. And one of the things that I'm trying to get our guys to buy into is what's known as the predator mindset. And so you've got predator mindset, and then to complement that, you have the prey mindset. And basically, in, to determine if you are a predator or prey, it all comes down to where your eyes are positioned. So the simple phrase that I use with my guys is, eyes in the front like to hunt, eyes on the side like to hide. Oh. So powerful, man. Like I, I'm thinking of predators as you're saying that. You know, my favorite animal is a tiger, obviously. Uh, I think about a cheetah. You know, uh, a big old grizzly bear. I mean, those yeah. guys are focused, laser beamed, uh, right in to what they're trying to kill because that's their food. Wherever you are right now. Take that mantra, eyes in the front like to hunt, eyes on the side like to hide, and I want you to think about your favorite animal. Write it down on a piece of paper. Is your animal predator or prey? So as you think about that reflective question, the next thing is you got to think about our armed forces. And what's the first thing the military teaches you in indoctrination? Is how to dress. Where do your feet go? Where do your hands go? Uh, how do you stand at attention? And I think that shows the level and well, let me just say this, you know, JT, we talk so much how military, the military and the armed forces and our sports today are so connected with the way we teach things, the way we do things, uh, how everything's in order. There's a, there, there's a structure to everything that we do. So no, I mean, who, who better than to look at the military and to show us how to stand at attention. And that's the first thing that they look, do. How to stand at attention and how to dress. You know, your your elbows are slightly back. Your arms are uh, are down at your side. Uh, your feet, you know, they're, when you stand at attention, your toes are not together. Your heels are together. Your vision is straight. Your chin is pinned down. Uh, and your shoulders are back. And that's just a, a proper way to stand at attention. So, you know, Coach Randy Jackson does this when he does his boot camp. He has all of his guys stand at attention. And also, when they're not uh, at a weight room rack, and they're not lifting, they're on their knee. So I think it's an interesting correlation between how the military teaches you indoctrination and how sports teach you about indoctrination, and there's a connection piece there. It's so funny how many times I go back to military analogies, but I tell my kids all the time, I just did it yesterday at practice. I'm, I'm coaching middle school wrestling right now. I've got almost 50 people in the room. I'm the only adult, and you know, my saying to them is, you're only wrong if you're different. Right. So you think about it, you've got 50 people lined up next to you and it's supposed to be uniform and it's supposed to be clear cut and the standard is the standard and all the things that we preach. It is so easy to spot one small detail that's out of line. Yeah, and you look at body language, the do's and don'ts, you know, even while you're standing. You know, and then you talk about eye contact, which we alluded to earlier. That Those are all key things to establishing a relationship. You know, do you want somebody on your team that's looking down, that's slumped over, uh, that's kind of had his hands to his chest, their feet are together? Or do you want somebody who has good posture, open palms, 
Uh, they have a smile, and you know their their hands. It's they're not awkward, where their their feet are like six to eight inches apart, and there's a confidence about them. Those are the people you want, not the ones that are that are like in a, in a hermit shell. In the world of education today, we're all about skill building, right? Like most of the jobs that we're preparing kids for that they're going to have when they get to be old like us, they don't exist yet. So how do you really prepare the next generation for jobs that we don't even know what they're going to be? Right. And it really comes down to hard skills and soft skills. And all the things you're describing, the eye contact, the confidence, the, you know, the predator mindset, it, those are really soft skills. That, that could make a difference for one of our athletes as they grow older and really make them memorable, really transform them into being a coffee bean. Right. So I, I got to talk about our receiver, who the one uh, was about to quit two years ago. He was going to quit and really had a defeated mindset. He was a BCD'er, um, and, man, it was just not good for him. And I said, look, one thing that's got to change with you is your body language. Your body language, it, it has to get better. You know, you're always making excuses. You have this, you know, you shrug your shoulders all the time. And to be quite honest, it's unattractive. And I don't want it to be in our receiving core because that's going to be a cancer. Because other guys are going to see you do that and they're going to emulate that. And, uh, man, I just had a hard conversation with him about, hey, you improve your body language and let's see what happens. You know, that's the first step of being a coffee bean. You know, you got to have positive body language. And he did that. And when I tell you, and I saw him yesterday, and I said, hey, what was your most memorable catch this year? And he told me. And uh, I said, well, what was your favorite moment as a receiver? And he says, the day you told me that my body language sucked. And I knew I had to make a change. And he ended up being one of our starting guys, made the all-star game, was an all-conference player and an all-state player this year. Not the biggest guy. He was 5'8", 160 pounds. Wow. You know, and it goes back to serotonin that chemical in your brain that just by standing up, you increase your serotonin. And Brian Kane, peak mentalist, he talks about getting big, you know, have a big chest, raise your chin just a little bit. It's that swagger, you know? Right. And I'm not saying be the one that everyone notices when you walk in the room. That's probably the wrong kind of swagger. But notice someone's body language next time as they enter. Are they all hunched over and dreading being there and putting out a bad vibe? Or are they, like Brian King says, getting big? Yeah. Know, do they have a little more confidence? I talked about this with my kids, and I hardly ever sit at my desk um, unless they're, like, taking a quiz. I need to do something. But I'm always walking around. And I get them, I get the kids that I teach up out of their uh, seats for at least 60% of the class. And they're like, why do you do that, Coach? And I said, look, uh, when the butt is numb, the brain is dumb. And that's another way to look at it. So get you, for your kids that you teach, if you're a coach and you also teach, work on getting them out of their, their seats in the classroom. And uh, I encourage and challenge coaches to, if you teach a class, don't stand behind a desk and just don't lecture. Walk around, improve your serotonin levels, and uh, just by you standing up and walking straight, it's going to increase those levels and you're going to be a better teacher and a more productive coach. All right, Coach Weaver, this concludes part five of the Culture Connection, talking about body language and eye contact. And I think the important takeaway is regardless of how you're playing or regardless of how you're feeling, stay in control, stay cognizant of your body language. To download this PowerPoint presentation along with additional resources, please visit CoachRandyJackson.com and get yours today.
GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs. Cultural Classroom is supported by Lausanne Learning, a nonprofit run by educators for educators with a mission to engage students, empower teachers, and transform schools. Through professional development conferences focusing on active learning, practical resources, and reflective teaching, including fishbowl classrooms and a unique teacher-to-teacher -teacher consulting program, Lausanne Learning is providing the authentic professional development your school needs. Visit them at lawsandlearning.com today to find one of their active learning conferences near you and to learn more about changing education from the ground up. 